1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to cynthiahyatt.com. That's C I N T H I A H I E T T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. So glad you joined me this afternoon. I hope that your week had gone well, and I'm praying that you have a blessed week that's coming up. So today we're going to talk about probably one of the most prolific uh, topics of the Christian world, but one of the most difficult, and that is the issue of forgiveness, and how do we forgive and what forgiveness is, and the power of forgiveness, and the importance of forgiveness to our Mental health, psychological health, physical health, social health, intellectual health. I mean, it is all-encompassing. And truly, we know that this is the preeminent ministry of Jesus Christ. And that is one of forgiveness and the forgiveness of our sins. And so today, we are going to talk about forgiving self. How do we forgive ourself? And next week, I want to make sure you don't miss it because we'll be talking about forgiving others. So the reason I'm starting with the forgiving of self is that's where it really begins. The better I forgive myself, the more able I am to forgive myself, the more forgiving I am, and the easier it is to forgive others permanently and realistically. So let's first start with what a biblical definition of unforgiveness. What is that? And I like this. This is from um, Jesus. dot com, and it's about love and forgiveness. and And the biblical summary simply means this is a definition of the definition of unforgiveness is actually a grudge against someone who has offended you. It's that simple. It's withholding. It's having having a feeling of distancing, of a grudge, of anger, resentment, hurt, disappointment, um, whatever that is. Another way to look at it is that it's not having compassion to forgive. See, unforgiveness is a sin that causes us to think and do evil things. This is why unforgiveness is so detrimental to the person that's been harmed, is that it ushers in a whole array of negative feelings, negative thinking, and negative um, pros negative like what we're thinking about in the future. So prognostication, I guess, would be the best word. That we are thinking about all the things we're going to do or not going to do or the should be, the could be, the would be, the ought to be, if only this person then. And so it takes up a lot of mental real estate in our brain, and it takes up a lot of space and energy in our heart because negativity, as you and I have talked about on previous shows, is an amazing drain on the entire system of a human. And so when we are harboring unforgiveness, it is a heavy, heavy weight, and it takes up a lot of space, and it has a ton of energy. Unfortunately, the energy is very negative. So unforgiveness is a sin that causes us to really think more negative things. We think on the sin, we think about the sin, we think about what should have been done or could have been done or ought to have been done or shouldn't have been done. And so in the Bible, one of the famous people that harbored a grudge was Esau. And he had all kinds of excuses to hold this grudge against his brother because his brother had offended him greatly, as well as, as his mother had betrayed him. And so Esau could not forgive his brother. And in Genesis chapter twenty-seven, forty-one, it tells us how Esau held that unforgiveness. And it says in this verse, it says, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother Jacob. So when we were talking earlier, I said that sin ushers in this coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only then. So Esau is saying to himself, you know, My mother could have done this. My brother should have done this. My father should have been then done this. So if and then. And so he's saying, so when my father's, when I'm finished mourning for my father, then I will slay my brother. So we see that however long it took his father to die and to pass and then go through the the burial process and the mourning process, this is how long Esau contemplated Killing his brother. And so when we look at unforgiveness, it's, it's not having the compassion to forgive. We see that another definition, when we look at this, the, the ways of defining unforgiveness, is this withholding or this lack of compassion, this lack of being able to relate to the other person, to put ourselves in their situation. And so we choose not to have compassion. We withhold any love or any understanding, any mercy, any grace and we choose not to have any willingness to forgive them. And so in Matthew 18:33 it advises us to have compassion for a fellow man as God has had mercy on us. And so it says, shouldn't not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant even as I have mercy on thee. And so when we look at this idea of unforgiveness, it becomes a resentful attitude. And it spews out all types of evil. I, we we know this. I you know I I know that I'm not telling you anything new, but sometimes it helps us to hear, really the weightiness of unforgiveness and what it does to the human, what it does to the person, what it does to our heart, to our gut, to our brain, to our body, and to our relationships, because when we are withholding unforgiveness from one person, it's taking up a lot of energy that we don't have to give to our other relationships as well. So no matter what or how a person offends us, it is our choice as to whether or not to forgive them. So this isn't necessarily just a, bu- a biblical viewpoint. This is held throughout many cultures. The difference with a biblical bu- viewpoint is that we are not always asking for that person that we are forgiving to, for- to fix what they have done or to pay for what they have done. So forgiveness is a sin again that causes us to think and do evil things. And Ephesians four thirty one it says it advises us to put away bitterness, wrath, anger, and malice that comes from unforgiveness. So many times when I'm working with clients, they they come in with me and they have an anger issue. They're just they, they rage. They struggle with anger. And they have this tendency toward wrath and they want to just get back at people and they get really caught up in the fairness doctrine of everything should be fair. And many times what I have found is that they've been harmed very early on in their life and they have not forgiven or they've not learned to forgive or they forgave someone and gave mercy or grace and that person took advantage of them and harmed them even more. And so it's like they made a vow that they are not going to forgive ever again, that forgiveness is somehow now unsafe. And so when we think about the life of Christ, he forgives because that's what Jesus does. That's what his ministry is. He doesn't forgive with the, with the hope or the understanding or, or the promise that it's going to work with everyone. He forgives because that is who God is. So there is this, there's this universal desire to be forgiven. Even though we have a hard time forgiving people, we have this very deep desire to be forgiven. And there, there's this great story, Ernest Hemingway's short story about the broken relationship between a Spanish father and his teenage son, Paco, is, is very similar. From God's perspective, it's the most important to be forgiven as well as to forgive And so we have in Romans 4, 7, it says, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed are they whose sins are forgiven and whose sins are covered. See, every human being has this deep, sometimes hidden, desire to be forgiven. And in Ernest Hemingway's short story about this broken relationship between This Spanish father and his teenage son Paco. He highlights this desire. Paco ran away from his home in Madrid, and his grieving father looked everywhere for him. And in desperation, the father placed an ad in the Madrid newspaper, and it read Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office tomorrow at noon. All is forgiven. I love you. The next morning, 800 hopeful men named Paco were standing in front of the newspaper office. 800 responded to that ad. This is the power of forgiveness. This is how deep this need is to be forgiven. And see, someone needs your forgiveness right now. But even more, as you choose to forgive and surrender yourself to your loving father, You'll begin to experience the freedom that comes through forgiving. So, someone out there needs your forgiveness, and maybe it's you. I want you to think about that a little bit. How much are you withholding forgiveness from yourself? How much are you keeping score about all the things that you have done that you can't stand? that you're disappointed in, that you're frustrated about, that you feel that, oh my gosh, if I wouldn't have done that, then this would have happened, and I should have done this, and if I would have done that, if only then. What's the list, what's the score you are keeping? And how much are you withholding from yourself forgiveness, which brings you peace? Your peace, your internal peace depends on your willingness to forgive. So who is that person that is needing forgiveness from you? And is it you? So I want you to think about this idea, this story from Ernest Hemingway. Eight hundred Spanish men named Paco showed up to see if their father was going to forgive them. They needed forgiveness. And so as we come up upon this break... I want to make sure that if you're not able to listen to the show in its entirety, it will be on the website. And you can go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. You can also go to the uh, 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk station, and it will lead you also to the podcast. So I want you to be thinking about this idea of forgiving yourself and what that means. What do you need to forgive? Why are you withholding it? And how hard it is to forgive ourselves. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. I hear the whispers in my voice. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and this is 1360 KPX Cube Fake Talk Radio, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. If you've just joined in with us, we are talking about forgiveness and how many people out there need your forgiveness and the human desire, the power of, of forgiveness, and how much humans just have this innate desire to be forgiven. And we talked about who needs to be forgiven in your life, and maybe, maybe it's you. And there's there's a big difference between forgiving ourselves and forgiving others. And and what literature knows, what um, doctors know, what preachers know, pastors know, psychologists know, is that f- when we forgive ourselves, we are so much better able to forgive others. This is a commandment from God that we forgive one another. And many times we forget that that another, that might be us. Maybe I'm forgiving everybody else, but I won't forgive myself. Now, there's a lot of articles, a lot of books. There's a lot written in the Bible about forgiving others. And, and sometimes we just take for granted that we're just supposed to just forgive other people, and we forget about forgiving ourselves. And and maybe we take for granted. Maybe we just automatically think we're going to forgive ourselves. But if you take a moment, just take a moment, and I want you to think about what's the list you are keeping against yourself. How far back does it go? What are the things that, yeah, I I probably should forgive that about myself and I probably can. And then what are the things that you deem unforgivable? What have you done that you think is unforgivable? See, self is the last person that we want to forgive. It really is usually the most difficult. See, we can get a lot of help from other people in forgiving someone that has harmed us. But it's a very different process when we need to get help from others about forgiving ourselves. Because that means full disclosure. We'll, we'll many times disclose things about other people and tell other people what other people have done to us. But it's different for me to tell someone else what I have done, maybe in private, that I don't think anybody knows. I, I know intellectually that God knows, but maybe sometimes I think He's not noticing. And so there's those secret sins that we have that we don't want anyone to know. We just want to scurry and hurry and get it all together so that nobody has to know that we're struggling with that or that we've done it in the past somehow. And so I know for myself, for the people I work with, that the self is the last person that you want to forgive, and it is the most difficult. It's it's far more natural to forgive others than yourself. So, forgiving yourself, why is that so hard? Well, some of this is because we have to be with ourselves all the time. And so we can't really get away from ourselves. And we can't really get away from what we did or what we didn't do. And so, forgiving ourselves is about learning to hate what I do, not hate who I am. So, it's important that you recognize hating sin we should. It it goes against God. It's harmful. It's dreadful. But one of the things that God does is he hates the sin. He doesn't hate the sinner. And we say this all the time. We tell each other, well, you shouldn't hate the sinner. You should only hate the sin. But when it comes to us, I just hate me. And that is not okay. That doesn't work. See, it's learning that even when you disagree with yourself, even when you don't like yourself, even when you do things that go against your own moral code and your own value system, even if you are struggling with an ongoing sin, that God still loves you. He doesn't love the sin because the sin is harming you. It's like a a parent that loves the child and hates the cancer in their body. Well, sin is a cancer. And so, God doesn't minimize or rationalize away our sin. The one amazing thing about God, and He tells us this in Philippians 1 6, He says, He will complete the good work that He began in us until the day of Christ Jesus. This means that I can have a pretty clean slate this morning. Maybe I've forgiven everybody else, I've said the Lord's Prayer. I've forgiven others. I've forgiven myself. And I turn around and I walk out the door. I get in my car. The car door slams on my foot and I swear. Well, I had a clean slate for about five seconds, right? So we have to remember that God doesn't keep score. He doesn't keep long lists. He knows who he's working with. And he's working with mistake-making people that have fallen, that have the cancer of sin. He's depending on us to fight it, knowing But he is the overcomer. He overcomes the world just as he overcomes the sin within us. And so this Philippians verse is beautiful. It says, he who began a good work, he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean I don't have to cooperate. If you've ever been around anyone dying of cancer, the doctors can do everything they can. The medicine does everything it can all that they're doing, but the person has to fight as well. So God wants us to fight the sin, but he understands that we're not God and that God is the one that overcomes. And that's Jesus Christ living in us that overcomes our nature, that heals us, that renews us, and that transforms us. And so he does this work of changing us, the work of being Christ to ourselves ourselves which helps us to be Christ to others by forgiving them. So we are unfinished. We are incomplete. And the enemy of my soul wants me to hate that I'm in an incomplete state. He wants me to focus and stress over the fact that I'm not living up to the ever-present potential of my design. See, God is the only one who sees the complete product of me. He's the only one that truly knows what he originally designed. And he does not grow tired nor weary of the process. He knows exactly how long it will take to complete the process. He sees through my sin and sees me. He sees me through the eyes of a loving father, seeing a child struggling with a dreaded disease. So he doesn't make excuses. But he does know the truth. So, this is important that as we learn to forgive ourselves, I want you to understand that learning always begins with a choice. If I go to school to learn, the first step is choosing to go to school. So, I need to choose to forgive myself first. So as I choose to forgive myself, I begin to learn how to do it better and better every single day. It's about the gift of mercy. It's about extending grace. This is not about watering down the sin. It's recognizing that I am a fallen person, that you are a fallen person. And every day we experience the revelation of sin in our lives. It's not about having enough mercy and grace for a lifetime. There's not enough. A lifetime feels exhausting. It's about grace and mercy today. So it's important to take care of today. Join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia, 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk Radio. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. You are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio, and I'm so glad you joined me. If you are just joining us today, make sure that you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's c-i-n-t-h-i-a-h-i-e-t-t.com, And you can listen to the show in its entirety. We are talking today about forgiving ourselves. Forgiving self and why that is so hard, but why that is so imperative. And one that may be the greatest calling that each person has is just to forgive ourselves. I have so much to forgive of myself. And the more and more I grow in Christ, the more and more I see how much I am not like him. And I need to be willing to go the long haul, to go the long run. This is running the race. This is finishing it well. This means that every single day I forgive me and the things that I do that I know grieve God, grieve others, grieve myself, grieve the spirit that I know are not in line with who God has called me to be. And I have to daily accept that I am in a fallen body, a body full of the disease of sin. And I have to continually fight it and take in things that help me fight it, and resist it, and renew me, which is the word, healthy music, being around people that are supportive, that are kind, loving, and compassionate toward me, and one of the biggest things that fights the disease of sin is forgiveness. It seems like, like, like an oxymoron. It seems, it's, it seems like it completely contradicts itself, but the thing that kills sin more than anything is forgiveness. Because sin is death and forgiveness is life. Forgiveness provides life. Think about prisoners or or people that have jail sentences. They are are sent to prison for 20 years. They lose their life. Their life is in in a 6 by 10 square foot room with three meals a day that are terrible. And they're around other people that are incarcerated. That is not life-giving. And they are doing their sentence until they can go have a life. If they're not so lucky, and they get the death penalty, then the sin that they committed actually takes their life. So what God is saying to us is, you are not prisoners to your sin. I'm not incarcerating you. I'm not putting you in prison. He doesn't want us to act like we are in jail, even if we are repeat offenders. All of us are repeat offenders. Now, I may not be repeating the same offenses I did last year. Maybe there's some overcoming that God has done in me. Thank God. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop sinning at some point in my life. That's what we saw in Philippians 1.6 that said, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That we will not be rescued from this body of death until we are transformed into life in Christ. So what we want to remind ourselves is that God does not keep records of wrong. He says in Isaiah that our sins are as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. He does not need to remember our sins. That's amazing to me. We do. We need to remember our sins in many ways. And a lot of that has to do with remembering how much, how much forgiveness God has given us. It also is how humans learn. And we know we've talked before on this show about the reason that we need to have memory. Because memory has everything to do with identity. And if you've ever interacted with someone that has amnesia or has Alzheimer's, they don't know who they are. It makes it very difficult, nearly impossible to have a relationship with them because they don't know who they are. So our past tells us either who we are, so keep doing it, or it tells us who we're not, so don't repeat it. So what we want to think about is there's a difference that happens through the ongoing love and healing that God extends to us through His grace and mercy. He doesn't want it just to stop with His extension. He wants us to take it on and continue to extend it to ourselves. We are to fight the good fight and to not be weary in well-doing. See, other people's sins are oftentimes easier to manage because we can distance ourselves from them. But we can't distance ourselves from our sin. And it's difficult to get that vantage point when it has to do with us. We can kind of see somebody else's sin from a distance and see a bigger picture and say, well, maybe it's these circumstances and that makes sense. With us, we have a really hard time giving ourselves that kind of perspective. So we can really relate to Paul's lamenting in chapter 7, who says, who will rescue me from this wretched body of death? Forgiveness is the rescue. Forgiveness is the peace that gives us peace that passes all understanding, that when we don't understand what we did, we can still get peace through forgiveness. And there's healing to our body, at the cellular level, healing to our body when we forgive ourselves. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in this last segment as we talk more about this and really the deadly consequences of unforgiveness. This is Cynthia Hyatt, 1360 KPXQ. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Please make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can also find me on the 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk website. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So make sure you you check out all those places for inspirational and motivational things through your week. So if you're just joining in, you can listen to the rest of the show on the website. And we left off with this whole idea of forgiving ourselves, and forgiving self being one of the most difficult things we could do, but one of the most necessary things we could do because forgiveness is life giving and sin is death. We know the famous verse, the wages of sin is death and God comes to give life abundantly. And the way he did that was through the dying on the cross and the forgiveness of our sins. That brings life. So when we look at, at this, and we think about the lamentations of chapter seven, that, that verse in, in Romans, where, where, um, Paul is just lamenting over, over what's going on in his body and that he has, he's in this fallen body and, he, and the things he doesn't want to do, he's doing and the things he, he should be doing, he's not doing. And who is going to rescue me from this wretched body? He's torn between one way or another. The disease of sin pulls him in one direction and his love for God, his love for Christ pulls him in another direction. And so how do people get over what they've done? Well, think about the Apostle Paul. I mean, I, I, I have done things in my life that I am ashamed of, that I am not happy about, that I have had to forgive myself for. I'm sure in the future there, there may be some more things coming, but I have not committed murder in the way that Paul has. I did not speak against Christians repeatedly and, and arrange for mass slaughter of Christians. I, King David, he made sure that his best, one of his best friends and best soldiers, best commanders in chief, was led to the, the um, front of the line to be killed in order so that he could sleep with his friend's wife. I, I, I haven't done that. Peter denied Christ three times publicly. I have not to this day denied Christ publicly, at least not verbally. I may have done it by an act of omission, but I have not verbally done that. How do people forgive themselves? Well, I may have done some sins that you would think are unforgivable. All of us have done things we can't live with. So when we look at the greats of the Bible, they have had to practice self-forgiveness or they could have not moved forward. Peter accepted the forgiveness of Christ, forgave himself, moved on to do amazing things. Paul did the same thing. Moses, King David did the same things. Joseph, Abraham, Isaac, all did the same. And so when you think about this concept that these men that did great things for God were only able to do great things for God because they got over their past. They got over it. They moved on. They accepted the forgiveness of God, forgave themselves through that, moved on, and were able to be the most forgiving men on the planet. And so it's imperative that when we see how many times Jesus says, your sins are forgiven when he was healing somebody, And he says, is it more important to God that you're forgiven or that you are healed? Because, you see, healing comes through forgiveness. And so in Matthew 9, 2, we see that Jesus was brought the paralytic man lying on the mat. And he said to the paralytic, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Because that was far more life-giving than just healing his body. And we see this when Jesus saw their faith in Luke 5.20. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And to the woman, he said, your sins are forgiven. You see, there are deadly consequences to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is classified in medical books as a disease. And according to Dr. Stephen Sandiford, he's the chief surgery at the Cancer, center, uh, cancer Treatment Centers of America, Refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. So with that in mind, forgiveness therapy is now being used to help treat diseases such as cancer. We know that unforgiveness is one of the predominant issues of the disease of any addiction. Many times of depression, many times of anxiety. And so we see unforgiveness attacks the body which has already fallen due to sin. And so of all cancer patients, 61% have forgiveness issues, and of those, more than half are severe. According, this is to the research done by Michael Berry. He's a pastor and author of a book called The Forgiveness Project. So harboring these negative emotions, this anger and hatred creates a state of chronic anxiety. Now, what we know about chronic anxiety, and we have talked about this when we talk about the fight, flight, or freeze system and how the amygdala um, operates in the brain. So when we have intense hatred, upset, disgust, unforgiveness, this produces an excess of adrenaline and cortisol. This depletes the production of natural painkiller cells, which is your body's foot soldier in the fight against cancer. And so Dr. Berry says the first step in learning to forgive is to realize how much we have been forgiven by God. Because when a person forgives from the heart, and this is the gold standard we see in Matthew 18, that's forgiveness from the heart, we find they are able to find a sense of peacefulness. And so many times people don't realize what a burden, anger, and hatred were until they let them go. So when we think about what's going on in our own bodies and what are we holding against ourselves? See, we can forgive all kinds of, other, of, of people, that have done all kinds of things to us. But we are still having to deal with ourself. We still have to manage what we have done, how we have disappointed ourselves, how we have gone against our own value system, how we have done something that we think is unforgivable. And we need to be asking for the mercy and the grace of God to be extended to ourself, and then we are needing to extend it ourselves. It isn't just enough to thank God he forgives us. It's kind of like if if your father forgave you and you said, thank you for forgiving me, but for the rest of your life you hated yourself over the very thing he forgave you for, what would that do to your father? It would have negated the forgiveness that he gave you. See, it's a chain reaction. It needs to be taken all the way out to its end. So if I am forgiven by Christ, if I am forgiven by others, I need to forgive myself as well. If I am not forgiven by others, I still need to forgive myself. Because the only way to truly be forgiving is to know what it feels to be forgiven. The better I am able to forgive myself, the better I forgive others. See, this is an opportunity to free you of pain and anger that's built up over time. Forgiveness of self moves you from focusing on the past hurt into the present. You might not forget the hurtful event. You might not forget what you did to yourself or did to another person. But you will be able to move forward. It will truly be in the past. And we've talked many times about the past needs to be the past. It needs to just be a fact. It's something I can remember, but I don't have feelings about. Now, I may feel a current feeling about my past, but I don't want to be feeling the feelings of the past, because that means I am then living in the past, and I am now chained to the past. So forgiving yourself might not be easy, but the alternative is choosing to live with pain and bitterness and resentment towards yourself. And so if you fail to forgive yourself, it can result in continually being hurt by unresolved pain, suffering and ways of acting that harm us. This can be ways of not taking care of yourself. Self-hatred increases what we said, stress on the body, which is part of that cancer issue. It also increases the tendency for self-harm. And it may not be graphic self-harm. It just may be not taking care of yourself, not eating the way you should, indulging in an addiction. It may be not sleeping when you should, maybe not taking care of your finances. There's all kinds of passive-aggressive ways that we can harm ourselves when we haven't forgiven. It also creates low self-esteem, low sense of self-worth, being overly defensive or distant in relationships. We have unnecessarily guilt and remorse, and it wears us down, and we end up feeling guilty about things we probably don't need to feel guilty about. We get into self-destructive behaviors. So forgiving ourselves has many benefits, such as learning to love yourself in healthy ways, and no longer beating yourself up for making mistakes. It also helps you to love others better and have more compassion and mercy. It helps us realize that we're all humans and we all make mistakes. We start to let go of hurtful memories and pain and painful events. And we have more optimism for the future. We have more resiliency. We have more tolerance. We are stronger. And we start to realize our value and self-worth. And it opens us up to loving others in a new way and being less demanding of respect from others, less demanding on our relationships. So I want to give you one exercise that you can do. I want you to write down one event you wish to seek forgiveness from yourself. And I want you to recall the areas in your life where bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness reside. And I want you to write it down with as much detail and clarity as you can recall. I want you to recognize the hurt. I don't want you to minimize the hurt and pain you feel. Realize what you hurt, what hurt you, how you can move past the hurt when you're ready to choose to forgive. I want you to read over the event you've written. I want you to to think about and write down how long you've held on to these feelings. How does this area affect the life you live now? Now you may want to tell your story to a trusted friend, a family member, or a counselor. I would recommend. If you don't, I would recommend you read it aloud to God. I want you to let yourself grieve the hurt and the damage that was done. I want you to feel what you did. It's natural to be angry at yourself when you're not perfect, but no one is perfect. And realizing you're not perfect and forgiving yourself. And so you choose to release the negative emotions associated with that incident. You realize we make mistakes. You forgive yourself as an act of worship to God. You let go of the pain. Now, the other thing that helps with this, whatever this list is, you shred it, you burn it. You, you rip it up. Whatever you can do visually, you bury it. Whatever you can do to really ritualize letting this go. And you repeat that exercise over and over again until it's done. And you repeat this for other areas and you move forward, and you give yourself permission to not feel bad any longer about it, that it's dead, it's buried, and it's over. It's imperative that you do this. See, forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not minimizing. It's not rationalizing. It's truly giving the gift of grace and mercy as you would to someone else. You are giving it to yourself. You are setting yourself free through Christ's forgiveness. And you are allowing yourself to have newness. So when you forgive yourself, you're honoring Christ. You are extending his ministry to the one that he loves. And that is you. Everyone else can forgive you. But they can't forgive you for you. And so in Matthew twenty five forty, it says the king will reply. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You give God a gift when you are willing to extend to yourself the forgiveness that he has given you. Don't be the last holdout of forgiveness. This negates the work of the cross and makes it harder to forgive others. So I bless you in the name of Jesus, and I encourage you to offer forgiveness to yourself so that you may live at peace as God is at peace with you. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Have a blessed week, and next week we are talking about forgiving others. So I hope you join me next week.
1: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you.